A group of elitist snobs paid $12.50 a head to dine at the super-exclusive remote island restaurant known as Hawthorne. Its ruler is the world-renowned chef Julian Slowick, who has slowly grown to resent his career and life due to the thankless, entitled, superficial, rich assholes who pay to dine on his food. Chef Slowick sets in motion one final lavish meal with a surprise ending that the diners will never forget in the 2022 psychological thriller, The Menu. I'm Connor Izagari. I'm Colton Jenkins. And this is Filmgasm. Welcome to the Filmgasm podcast. Our foodie miniseries, Foodgasm, comes to an end here with the criminally overlooked 2022 thriller, The Menu, starring Ray Fiennes, Anya Taylor-Joy, Hong Chow, and Nicholas Holt, among others. It's a film that hooked me immediately, and I've wanted to bring it to the show ever since. Seemed a fitting film to end this series with. Had you seen this one before? I saw it one other time before, and um, it was like... Right when it came out to like streaming services, I had to rent it on. I think I rented on Apple TV, honestly, to watch it. And man, I am. I wish I had seen it in the theaters. I just thought it was going to be one type of movie and I was completely wrong. I thought it was going to be about like cannibals or something and like really predictable. And I was fucking wrong. And I wish I had seen this in the theater. I did. I did see this in the theater. Uh, it's yeah, it was an experience and I was fully expecting, you know, a cannibalism thing going on. The trailer made it seem like this was, you know, kind of a derivative of um, like Midsommar. Yeah, but um, it's not. It's very much its own thing. It's a movie about obsession and kind of reclaiming your life and figuring out, you know, what's important to you, maybe in a very harsh <laughs> eye opening way. And also just, you know, it's the it's the service industry's revenge. It's service uh, industry's revenge, and it's also, um, I think, one of the messages of the film is don't produce art for the critics and for the consumers. Produce art because it's what you enjoy doing. It's why we do this podcast. It's why I'm sure you write. It, yeah, yeah, really good message. Very good message. Yeah, you know, the second we've often I've told I've I think I've said this to everyone on the team. Like the second this stops being fun. We have to figure out a way to make it fun again, or else we got like we're gonna stop. The, yeah. the whole point in doing this is to enjoy it. If we didn't enjoy this, if this was just you know something we had to do, what's the fucking point? Exactly. I think that's why we had to do like the whole like overhaul of the show. Yeah, we were getting burned out. We had to, you know, we were kind of just going through the motions. And Austin and I had a long talk, and we were on the same page, and we decided, you know, nuke it, start over, and mm-hmm. that was a great decision. We've had you know, really good content since we've brought more people onto the team. We've let, we've got never had everybody have a bigger say in things. And it's been, it's been really fun. It's been my favorite era of this show. Yeah. And kind of like a smaller chunk of that. What, what me and you had started doing for those of you that don't know, uh, we started doing this really big star Wars project because, because I've never seen star Wars and I was like, okay, I'm going to watch all of the star, like every star Wars you know, show movie that I can, um, and we're going to do episodes and all the movies, but I really wanted to take my time with it and grow with the characters and learn their relationships. 
And I got all the way to Clone Wars. And the day you told me, hey, we're going to scrap the Star Wars idea. I was like, thank God. <laughs> I, <was> like, <laughs> I did not want to rush through Clone Wars. Um, we we yeah. had recorded uh, the original trilogy and the first two prequel movies. So we had a good chunk in the bag. Yeah. And one day I may just, you know, go ahead and drop all that on, you know, on the 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 uh, feed just for like bonus content, just for kicks. I'm, I I, yeah. I still have all of it. <laughs> um, but, you know, due to recent developments, we may be doing something else with Star Wars that could be even more fun. So absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we are, uh, you know, we've. We've we've experimented with a lot of different things just for kicks, because, you know, we're we're not beholden to anyone here. It's just us talking about movies any way we want to talk about movies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with when Chef Slowick started out, he was, you know, he was making burgers and he was happy and he was creating. And then he got trapped in a fucking rich man's game of, you know, Instagram foodies and washed up actors and people who don't even taste what he's making. And it, yeah. it broke him. So he decided to break them. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think part of him liked doing you know, like tasting menus and being like that. But I think, you know, after a while, it really got to him. The speech he gives at the beginning when he says, don't eat taste. I think he has been saying that for years. And I think he realizes no one's going to fucking listen to that. They're just there for the, you know, just to be able to say that they went there. Yeah. No one gives a damn about his food. They're there so they can say they were there. Yeah. And it's, it's awful because he still cares about the food. He still cares about creating. So like he's still creating really good food. Yeah. Um, and but everyone's acting all pretentious about it. Granted, he he is too, but he views food as art, which I think he is probably the I don't think he's pretentious. I think he's artistic. I think there is two he 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 could have branched into two different routes and he is completely obsessed and very artistic about his food yes but he also basically sold his soul to the devil yeah, with this place exactly and yeah. is finally coming to terms with that and taking back control of his of his career really mm-hmm. uh he's a fascinating character like you not really, really the, not really the bad guy not the good guy just kind of a guy yeah i felt bad for him a lot of the movie yeah and that's because the rest of the cast is so fucking insufferable you know all these rich dicks who all have their own problem. You know, you got this, the, do you know who my boss is stock market guys? You've got the, you know, the washed up actor who still thinks he's a badass. You got the rich couple who are just there because they go there for kicks. You've got the foodie who can't cook. You've got like, it's, <laughs> it's just such a great ensemble of douchebags. Yeah. I think also, also, also not, I'm not going to defend Nick Holt's character, but there's nothing wrong with being a foodie. And you can't cook. And the being, you know, just a fucking snob piece of shit and asshole. It's true. Pretentious. I, got, I got no problem with foodies who can't cook because I, you know, I can't really cook that well. No. But what I'm not doing is taking pictures of my food like that I'm going to eat and like posting it on on Instagram and being like, you know, oh, what a great amuse bouche. Like, I can't, you know, did I, he, I bet he used this to make it crispier. I bet he used the Paco Jet. The Paco Jet is what I was trying to think of. Yeah, he's like, 
And I love that Slywick sees right through him as soon as he shows up. Like from the get go, he hates him more than he hates anybody in the room. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, you, you know, it's it's great. I I'm I hate anybody who pretends to be an artist. Exactly. He's it's the critic and him, I think, are um like opposites of each other. I forget the word. Fuck. What's the word for their opposites? They're two characters and they're opposite of each other. I think so. I don't know. But it's like, she's a real critic and an asshole. He is a fake critic and also an asshole. She knows what she's talking about. She's just being a bitch about it. He has no fucking clue what he's talking about. And he's also being a dick about it. He's like, he's fucking his dick, you know? Yeah. I love the critics like little buddy with the magazine. Who's just like agreeing with everything she fucking says, even if he doesn't know what the hell she's talking about. Mm -hmm. I hate those people too. I hate toadies. Yep. Ugh. Be true to yourself. It's the only way to live. You're, you're doing anything else, you're insufferable, and everyone knows it. Exactly. Uh, and actually, that that is a great segue to my question to start this out with. Um, what does being a foodie mean to you? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Watch, I'm going to sound like a fucking narcissist. <laughs> um. So I, I like to think of myself as a foodie. I hope so I, I, I hope so much I'm nothing like um like his character, Tyler. Tyler is his name. I hope I'm nothing like him. Um, but sometimes I do go a little over the edge and I, I can sometimes I catch myself doing shit like that. Like I have watched episodes of Chef's Table a lot, but that's because I do respect the chefs, I respect the art, but that's just because I also I like to think of myself as someone, um, I'm an artistic person. I can appreciate art. I can appreciate um, the devotion to one's craft. Um, so being a foodie, I don't know. I like experiencing different kinds of food and the art that food can be, although it doesn't necessarily need to be in art form. It doesn't need to be that. But I think food is important because it says a lot about people and their culture. Um, that's why some of my favorite food comes from like food carts, food trucks, because I feel like those are gen- like genuinely people that are just making food, one, because they have to make money, and two, because they just they know that they're good at it and they know that they can make money from that. And I think that's really pure. Uh, food is very important um, to people because obviously we need to eat. Um, but if food wasn't fun, it would obviously it would be boring but i respect the people that can make it interesting i'm going on a rant i'm probably not making any sense but i, I think it's important to respect the art but not be pretentious about it yeah very true and that that kind of goes for all art there's nothing yeah. wrong with enjoying art and being excited about it and above all knowing what you're talking about you can yeah. talk about art and food paintings movies books as much as you want if you know what you're talking about, if you put in the work, if you've tasted yeah. the food, if you've cooked the food, you know, and I, I, you've you've worked in a restaurant, like you have the cred to back up a lot of, yeah. you know, a lot of that. And yeah, you, you you care. I it's very different than what than the, the guy we get in this movie who's, you know, absolutely. Yeah, but also, I don't think I don't think you have to. I don't think he's an asshole because he's never cooked in his life. I don't think you need I don't think you need to be an artist to appreciate art. No. 
But what I think you it's important to appreciate the art, not a this doesn't make any sense, but it makes sense in my mind. Appreciate the art because it's beautiful and it means something to the artist. Don't appreciate the art for the sake of appreciating it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, absolutely. Don't if it's if you're doing it for like, you know, for, for the likes or for the uh the you know for the cred, yeah. It's it's meaningless. It's it's empty. Exactly. You have to and I only really mean like if you're claiming that kind of, you know, ownership or love of the art and you you know you're talking out of your ass basically like you have nothing to back that up then i don't mm-hmm. then then i think it's wrong like if you made a mo- like if you know if i if you write a if you're reading a book and you're like you know exp- ex- like describing all the you know little nuances and everything and you're like but, and this is what he should have done differently and all that but you've never like written anything or yeah. you know or have any kind of education in that field you're just kind of coming up with shit off like on the fly then i'm kind of like do you have anything like are you really saying anything here yeah yeah i think um i used to um i think kind of how me and you met through uh someone that introduced me into i used to paint i used to do spray paint art and i used to paint like space and galaxies which is a very easy thing to do anyone can do it um just like anyone can cook anyway no i'm just, I'm just kidding but it's very easy, right? And I really enjoyed doing it. Um, and I had two types of people a lot that would I would, I would I would go to events and paint. I would sell my paintings on Etsy, and I would post it on Facebook, on Instagram, and TikTok. And I had two two categories of people. There were a category of people that would come out to me and tell me that what I'm doing is not art because anyone can do it and replicate it, which. It is very, you know, you can do it, but I'm doing it and no one else is going to paint the exact same painting I'm doing. And then the other type of person that annoyed me, didn't piss me off like the first group did, but they just annoyed me, is I'll be painting and they would ask me like what the meaning behind the painting is. They're like, what does this mean to you? And I'm like, dude, I'm just painting outer space because I really like outer space. Leave me the fuck alone. (laughs) Like it was just a way for me to de-stress after work. And it was just a lot of fun. Another thing is this podcast. We're not sitting here talking about like what each angle of the camera means and like, you know, what a fucking Dutch angle means and all this shit. We do sometimes, but it's because we know what we're talking about in context of that scene. We're just appreciating the art. And yeah, like I, I was going to say, like it's when we do go in that direction, it's for an honest appreciation of the yes. structure of the film. It's not so, you know, we can hope one day that we can suck Steven Spielberg's dick. Like there's yes. no, it's entirely like, even back when we, when Austin and I had Oscar Sunday, which was a show built around films that have been nominated by the Academy. In other words, like the most pretentious cinema in history, <laughs> we would still treat every episode like, a regular you know we treat it with the same respect we do like when we would do like a texas chainsaw massacre or something yeah like we did citizen kane considered like the greatest movie of all time every film critic on the planet and we watched it and it's actually a pretty fucking awesome movie and we spent the whole time being like wasn't that cool like what a great performance and this was so such a neat story and look at you know look at that and we were just excited about it and that's how we've tried that's how i've tried to approach every episode of all of this is with genuine excitement about the film at hand even when the film sucks, I know we're going to have a good conversation about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. I've tried so, so hard to not 
come off as a film snob with yeah. all of this all this content. I tried so yeah. hard. It's it's kind of um, nerve wracking to talk about art because you don't want to be pretentious. But if you have something to say, you want to say it, and you're gonna say it. Yeah. Oh, on this show, you know, I brought together people who. I believe have a genuine love of, of the craft and of the medium. And that's what I've tried to foster with the team. I've never had any, you know, I've never wanted like, I never wanted to make anybody look like, you know, like I know more than them or anything like that. Yeah. I want to have a good conversation about something I love. That's the whole point of all of this. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I think we've managed to do that every time. And that's good. I've never had anybody who really, well, I had one person who, didn't quite get it, but yeah. um, that's fine. Um, I, got you, I got you out of it, so it worked out. <laughs> but that's also how I feel about um, this type of food that's in the movie, right? Like, will I go to a restaurant like that? Absolutely, I would. But again, it's because I do view that kind of food in that like niche, like in Chef's Table. Well, not even Chef's Table, because Chef's Table isn't all food like that. Some of it's like down to earth food but food like is made in this movie i will go occasionally to do to eat that kind of food because it is art it's not like like yeah you're paying a lot of money for like a little bite-sized thing but again that's the art piece that you are intaking yeah it's kind of like go to mcdonald's after but it's like you're it's like you're paying to to visit the vip wing of a museum exactly it's a bit like that. I mean, and if I re- had twelve fifty to blow, I, I'd, I'd consider it. Exactly. And the reason that it's so expensive, again, is because one, the ingredients that they're using, either comes from the local area, they are harvesting it themselves, which takes a lot of money in preparation. Two, um, everyone that works there has been to school to do that. <laughs> and three, um, just cause it's an artist, you pay a lot of money to buy an art piece. But like it took them time, it took dedication, love, practice to get that thing right, and you are eating it, but it's still art. Yeah. Is there any like is there on you know on a on the deepest level of art, is there really any difference between spending three million dollars on a Picasso you're gonna hang in your living room or spending twelve hundred dollars on a dinner that's a once in a lifetime experience? So I think there is a big difference, yes, because I think the art of food is very unique because I think it is the most intimate type of art because it is a creation shared by two people, the chef and the consumer. And once that consumer consumes that art piece, there will never be another art piece just like that one. It is literally the only art that you cannot replicate. That's interesting. What if I like admired the Picasso for a few days and then chucked it in the fireplace? I guess you could, but you're not really consuming. You know what I mean? Like it's not. What if I ate it? I I guess that. Would... <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Know. But um, yeah, I, I I think you're right. I think that's a really cool way to look at food. Um, yeah, this is, I've never thought about food like this until we started doing this this yeah. series, and now it's, it's so cool. People don't get it, and it's also. A type of art that uses all of your senses, right? Like you can hear it being cooked, you can smell it being cooked, you can feel it in your mouth, and you can taste it. Paintings, you look at it, you can feel it. Movies, you can look at it and listen to it. 
Food is the only one that does all 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 five senses, four senses. I think it's a little yeah. weird when you're if you're feeling a painting, but I, I guess so. Yeah, I know what you're saying. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, I like that. Um, yeah, so being a foodie basically means embracing the purest form of art. I think so, yes. I like that. Hmm. And not just art. The Not to sound corny, but like the real essence of humans, because we are the only life form that cooks food. And I think that's really special. That is special. Ah. Uh. I hope one day to see a monkey like roasting a banana, but I don't think. <laughs> oh my God. Um, okay. So let's talk a bit about this movie here. The menu was directed by Mark Mylod, who had previously directed a lot of TV shows and uh, two comedy films. What's your number? A rom-com with um, Anna Ferris and Chris Evans and Ali G into house. Which oh is my the... God. Oh Yeah. The first of Sasha Baron Cohen's Ali G films, follow, uh, followed by Borat and Bruno. I had no idea that the same guy who made the menu made fucking Ali G into house. That's wild. <laughs> he also did like 16 episodes of Succession. So what? Yeah, this guy. Yeah, he's, he has an interesting resume. I've never seen Succession. I just know it's it's the modern day Game of Thrones. Yeah. And apparently this one ended quite uh, quite well. Oh, <laughs> what I hear. People were OK with it. Um, the film was conceived by its co-screenwriter, Will Tracy, after he dined at Cornelius Seafood Restaurant on the island of Holmen off the coast of Bergen, Norway. Cornelius costs $13.95 per guest with boat travel included or only $10.95 if you arrive in your own boat. So if you bring your own boat, you get the $300 rebate. That's insane. I don't know if I would pay that much. <laughs> I don't know. For a once in a lifetime thing, maybe. 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 Well, if you have your own boat, I feel like this is not a big financial inconvenience. No. no. Um, and I researched this restaurant and I have their um their website description. I was I, I was snooping around at this place because I was they do like they had a Yelp review and it was like three dollar signs, and I'm like that. That seems, I think, $5 signs make sense here. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, fucking Ruth's Chris is $3 signs. <laughs> this, <laughs> this is a bit more than that. Uh, so their website reads, from fjord to table. <laughs> Ooh. The gastronomic journey starts the moment you board the boat at the historic Briggen in central Bergen. Let your taste buds mature during the 25-minute boat trip out to Holman, where you get to experience the best of Bergen's mount... Um, <laughs> I saw mountain and fjord at the same time. I want to say mountain. <laughs> mountain, fjord, and sea scenery. Cornelius is open all year round. In fine summer weather, the sliding doors are opened, and we set tables on the quayside, serving a lighter menu. In more stormy weather, we create a cozy atmosphere indoors with stronger flavors, a fire in the fireplace and candles. Every season, every day, offers unique and exciting taste experiences at Holman. And uh, couldn't find the actual menu. Apparently, they, they, they shake things up. I went to their website, not realizing that it's going to be in fucking Norwegian. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's in Bergen, Norway. Like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a bit to get out there. <laughs> It looks good. It looks more optimistic and homey than Hawthorne. That's for damn sure. 
It really does, yeah. Um, I after watching this movie, I wanted to. I was curious, um, what the best restaurant in the world is. Ooh. Um, and apparently it's a restaurant I believe. In Lima. Really, I would have guessed like Dubai. No, it's called Central. Hold on. Interesting. Central. It's in Lima and it is rated currently it is the number one restaurant in the world. That is amazing. How do you, oh this place has four dollar signs? Is this more expensive than uh Cornelius? So it's in Peru. Yeah. Um, and it looks really fucking good. Like like gen- like genuinely tasty. Um, it is also on Chef's Table, if you are curious about it. That looks cool. I've always I'd like to go to one of these places if I had like a lot of money, but I don't. I'm you know, Outback Steakhouse is an exorbitant like extra night for me. So it's weird. This is the number one restaurant in the world currently, and currently the price is the equivalent. This isn't that much com- comparatively. It is. $239. That's interesting. That I is very see, interesting. I'm seeing here, I'm reading an article about this place, and it says, uh, yes, I know the price has tripled since then, but this is a priceless experience. Oh, maybe, maybe it's not $250. The price of the, the Alturas Master Menu was 118 US. So yes, your your price is accurate. This is an old article. That's not that much. Honestly, I've I think I've spent that much at a restaurant in San Antonio here, honestly. <laughs> I I have not. Like the most I spent at a <laughs> restaurant was a uh Chamagaucho Steakhouse in San Antonio. Chamagaucho is pretty good. Mm, I was it was new to me. I was not expecting what that was, so I was kind of like floored and I didn't I don't think yeah. I did it right. Yeah. But I I I got to go I got to go with there with you cuz you you understand fine dining. <laughs> you you get it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, if we're ever in Norway and we have, you know, a very hefty fun budget, we can go to, <laughs> right. we can go to Cornelius. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Well, Will Tracy teamed with screenwriter Seth Rice to pen the movie. Several real uh, real chefs were consulted on the film, including Dominique Kren, who recreated several of her own dishes for use in the film. And David oh, Gelb nice. of Chef's Table was brought on to recreate the filmmaking style of that. That's right. Yeah. I thought that was really cool because I am a I am a huge fan of Chef's Table just because, again, I like learning about these different chefs. But I also really like the way that Chef's Table is filmed. In fact, one of the title cards, I think it's for season two of Chef's Table, is a picture of a table from Central. Um, yeah, it's one of their dishes. That's cool. I can t- I love the way this film kind of parodies Chef's Table with the like, you know, Tyler's bullshit. And like, yep. <laughs> I love those. That, that was such yep. a great touch. Yep. <laughs> um, Alexander Payne was originally attached to direct this in 2019. Hmm. Uh, Alexander Payne, if you don't know, is the director of such films as Sideways, The Descendants, Downsizing, uh, big indie director. That's weird. Yeah. 
he he left due to scheduling conflicts was replaced by mark mylan my lad right the the descendants as in the disney princess movie no the george clooney drama that was <laughs> <Okay>. very good <laughs> 2011 it's a fantastic <laughs> dramedy it's it's a great movie <laughs> Payne won an oscar for that one <laughs> so <laughs> big difference <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um emma stone was originally cast as margo alongside ray fines but uh she also left due to scheduling conflicts and was replaced by anya taylor joy who i think is great in this i don't know yeah. if emma stone would have been able to to no she probably no did. yeah I know Taylor Joy. She's really good in she, everything. She plays this kind that. of like you know, like could be anybody kind of thing. Like when when we first meet Margot, we don't really know who she is. We kind of get an idea, but it's not confirmed till later on. She could be anybody. So, just so I have a full comprehension, she is a prostitute, correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Nicholas Holt needed a second because there there are no single dining seats at Hawthorne and his date broke up with him. So he hired a hooker to sit across from him to die. Yeah. Knowing fully aware, being fully aware that she was going to die. <laughs> it is kind of weird that like she would also run into another client of hers. Like is small world, I guess. Oh shit. Was she a woman? No, no, no. Cause she's never been there before. I never meant to. Yeah. It was the, yeah. The guy who's, they cut his finger off. He, he had been like seeing her. Yeah. Um, the menu was a modest success, grossing seventy nine point six million on a budget of thirty million. And right after COVID, for an indie psychological thriller in yeah. the fall, that's pretty good. Uh, the menu has an IMDb score of seven point two, Rotten Tomato score of eighty eight percent, audience score of seventy six percent, and you are gonna love this critics. Oh no, please! Oh no, no! This is the best one yet. No. While its social commentary relies on basic ingredients, oh, God. the menu serves up black comedy with plenty of flavor. Oh! <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> it is currently streaming on Max and Hulu. I love how obnoxious these are. These This is becoming my favorite part of the damn show, is reading these critics' consensus. Wasn't it the only one that didn't have food pun was Pig? I think so. I... I don't recall. I don't I don't remember. Yeah. I think one other one didn't have one, but I don't remember. But yeah, they all kind of, you know, they 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 jested. Also, uh, what's so I some of my coworkers and also just I was I don't have any reviews for the end of this of this episode because all of the negative reviews for this movie are exactly the type of people that we fucking hate. They're all like really fucking long saying that this movie didn't mean anything, didn't have any theme to it. No character developments. The characters weren't interesting. What the fuck is. And then also some of the reviews are saying, I expect this to be a horror movie, not a like, you know, not a comedy with social commentary. I wish they had portrayed that better in the trailer. What is wrong with people nowadays to where they have to be spoon fed literally everything? They hate surprises. Oh, before I answer that, I'm going to see if my assistant can go get me a violin. Uh, oh, he stepped out. <laughs> um, people just, you know, I on, on one hand, I kind of get it. I bitched about that before about I actually have a, a letterbox review that kind of covers that. So I'll, I'll save my thoughts for when we get. to. OK, that. but um, I know what you're saying. And yeah, there, there's a way to approach it without being a dick. 
And yes. most people don't. No. Um, with that, let's take a look at some categories here. Um, I have a lot written down because there's a lot about this movie I like. Yeah. Um, let's start with dialogue. Uh, I want to just throw out right here. Uh, relax. Eat your rock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> part, that part's fucking great. Yeah. <laughs> um, so one of my my first line I'm going to talk about is uh, I think uh, not the funniest line in the movie, but one of it's when the movie star guy is like saying like, hey, man, like, why the fuck do we have to die? And he's like, because I had to fucking look at your face, you know, and that part was funny. Yeah. But then he's like, OK, fine. I get why I have to die. But why does my secretary have to die? And Chef Slowick says, where did you go to school? And she says, Brown. He says, student loans. No, sorry, you're dying. <laughs> that was fucking perfect. <laughs> so good. And she's like, okay. Uh, that's fantastic. Uh, yeah, I love all the incredible monologues in this movie. Um, one of my favorite little bit lines just to show like how distant some of these people are from reality is when uh, during the, uh, the taco um, course, and they're looking at the tortillas and all the tortillas are custom made to freak them all out. But the the older couple, she starts looking at the tortillas and she's like, what are these? And the guy goes, taco things for, for the tacos. My he, doesn't, God. he doesn't know what a tortilla is. Of course he doesn't, man. <laughs> taco things. I've never heard them called taco things. Because of the movie Idiocracy, everyone in my family calls them burrito coverings. But <laughs> taco things. I've not heard that before. Oh, I just I just rewatched Idiocracy the other day. It's so funny. Welcome to Costco. I love you. <laughs> yes, okay. Chef. We love you, Chef. <laughs> I love that movie. Uh but yeah, I just I love that. Taco things, you know, for the tacos. <laughs> Fucking moron. Um I love uh when Slowix asking that couple about like you know you've been here 13 times name one dish you had the last time you were here and they say like cod and he's like it was halibut it was oh, not cod what does he say he calls him uh you fucking donkey right yeah you fucking donkey that had to be a gordon ramsay reference right it had to be yeah because he's done that um so yeah um i guess i, I should watch my mouth with what, with what i'm about to say but I used to like I still respect Gordon Ramsay as a chef, but I've been doing a little bit of research lately. He might be kind of a hack. Ooh. He is a very gifted chef, but he doesn't really cook anymore. Well, yeah, he's got he was... a fucking media empire. He doesn't have to cook anymore. Exactly. Yeah. So did you see where he burnt a grilled cheese? He didn't what? make it correctly. When you're done recording this episode, go to YouTube and type in Gordon Ramsay grilled cheese and watch him. Struggle to make the most simple thing you can make. Fucking, I can do a grilled cheese. That's, wow. He has since come back and redeemed himself. He did make a grilled cheese. But the issue, what he was doing was he made a grilled cheese using like rustic artisan sourdough and some really fancy cheese that doesn't melt. And he tried to do it over fire, which makes no sense. He used cheese that doesn't melt. Yeah. Kind of the fucking point of anyway. Well, that's that's hysterical, and I will be looking that up. You should. But when you've got like eight TV shows, a fleet of restaurants, I get it. Yeah, 
but maybe now, you know, you're not, you know, a world renowned chef. Now you're a TV personality. Just accept that. Um, exactly. But I love Slovak's response to the fucking like halibut thing. He says, or, and the the woman says, what does it matter? And he goes, it matters to the halibut, Mrs. Liebrandt, or yeah. Liebrandt, and to the artist whose work turns to shit inside your gut. I've allowed my work to reach the price point where only the class of people in this room can access it. And I've been yeah. fooled into trying to satisfy people who could never be satisfied, starting with her. But that's our culture, isn't it? And my restaurant is part of the problem. Like, yeah. yeah. I think this entire... He's, I don't think... During this service, this dinner service, he's not hiding the fact that they're all going to die. No, he's 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 telling them why he's pissed off. He's trying to he knows that they're not going to understand, but he's trying to explain basically what I just said about food, about how it is art and people don't fucking respect it. That's why when he says I manage to the fucking halibut, that's another aspect of food as an art form. That's why I really wanted to do food documentaries, especially especially the ones that we watched, because again, you, like, you know, you can say what you want about being vegan and all that shit. It, I, I respect people that don't want to do it. I haven't even fully committed yet, but yeah, I just watched you eat a shit ton of Korean barbecue, but okay. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but what people don't understand is that living something that Tyler says in the movie is, I do partly agree with. He says that, chef's deal on the like right on the edge of life and death because living creatures really do go into like this art and if you're just you don't fucking care what it is at a price point like this then like what are you doing yeah but also to have that realization of like i could kill all these people and they're gonna think it's dinner theater so they're not gonna move like the fact that no one really even puts much of an effort into escaping and he he calls them out on it he's like none of you tried to like even tried <laughs> to leave yeah that was my next quote actually <laughs> oh go ahead yeah wait i'm trying to find it shit <laughs> shit here well you're looking i'll do my next one okay um it's margo taking charge of the situation and just confessing to Slovak what she thinks is really happening here she says come on chef i thought tonight was a night of hard home truths this is one of them you cook with obsession not love even your hot dishes are cold you're a chef. Your single purpose on this earth is to serve people food that they might actually like. And you have failed. You failed. And you bored me. And the worst part is, I'm still fucking hungry. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Like, she calls him on his shit and he's like, you're right. And I, that's where the you know the, the cheeseburger comes into play, which we'll get to later for sure. Absolutely. I have a theory about that that I kind of changed my mind on, on this rewatch. I have the quote. So he says, ask yourselves this entire evening, why didn't you all try harder to fight back? To get out of here, honestly, you probably could have. Something to think about. Why? Why didn't they? Why didn't they? That Seriously. Is, that is some torturous shit to say to a group of people you're about to kill. <laughs> but I, I think I, I think, I think they know that they're all guilty. I think they all, deep down, I think they're like, yeah, we kind of deserve this a little bit. Yeah, there's some of that for sure. But also, I think it's some of it is also ignorance, and they think it's not really going to happen. But then I also thought, like at the end of the movie, he puts the marshmallows on them. He doesn't tie them down. Why don't why why doesn't any of them try to run away? Some of them could have gotten away. I guarantee you. As soon I, as they lit everything on fire, they could have ran. I think some. I think a lot of it's shock. Also. Yeah. 
yeah uh, i do love the whole s'more thing like he calls what this fucking monstrosity or something like that like he said <laughs> the greatest affront to, to food he ever says, the s'more the most offensive assault in the human palate ever contrived <laughs> um i'm gonna be honest with you this might be a hot take i hate s'mores so much i think they're disgusting and i think they need to stay in their fucking lane the only thing that needs to be s'more flavored is a s'more not the, not fucking pop tarts not popcorn s'mores that is it no ice cream keep stay in your fucking lane <laughs> that is awesome i i'm kind of with you on that um i like the idea of s'mores until i'm having them and then i'm like this is a nightmare why am i why am i eating this why i'm so sticky this wasn't even that good i'd rather just eat the candy bar and go <sighs> and walk away Exactly. Under no in, in no other situation am I ever eating graham crackers or marshmallows. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. S'mores took over the fucking world and I I don't remember when it happened. Yeah, they're they're awful. They're bad. Also, the same thing with like bacon. Bacon's good, but it's not fucking amazing. It doesn't belong in everything. Mm. It's not like as good as people say. Like the bacon craze of like 2010. I didn't get it. Okay, now now we're on opposite sides of the board. What? It's it's good. Don't get me wrong, but like everything had bacon in it. And I will say I do like a really good thick cut bacon that's like extra 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 crispy. That's my favorite when it's almost burnt black. The way Tyrion Lannister orders his bacon in Episode One of Game of Thrones is exactly how I like my bacon. I am a I'm a thicker, chewier bacon guy. Mm, gotcha. Uh, I like that. And I do I like a bacon cheeseburger. I like bacon on a burger. But like, you know, like chocolate covered bacon and shit like that. That's when it's like, what are you doing? So I I to an extent, I am like I'm kind of on on your side there, but other things I think have been vastly improved with bacon. But yeah. Yeah. Have you have you had the the bacon milkshake from Five Guys? It only costs $25. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Is that real? It's not... Yeah. Well, so you can get a milkshake at Five Guys, but I don't think the bacon milkshake is on their menu, but you can just you can just do that. Like you, you can just add bacon to it. And I think it is on their menu. I can't remember. But I did like a caramel bacon one once and it was it's pretty fucking good, not gonna lie. I feel like drinking my bacon is a great way to give myself quite a coronary. So I don't yeah. think I'm gonna do that. Yeah. <laughs> um I don't know. I don't know if this counts as a scene or a line, but it's it's when Chef Slowick is <laughs> he confronts the movie star, and he's like, "Okay, so you want to know why you're being punished?" And the movie star says, "Sure." He says, "I saw the film calling Doctor Sunshine, and I did not enjoy it." And the movie star says, "What? Wait, sorry." And he says, "It was Sunday, my one day off in months, the most precious day, the day where I was allowed to live, and I saw the film Calling Doctor Sunshine alone in cinema." And the movie star says, "But look, I didn't direct it; I just acted in it." And Chef Slowick says, "The memory of your face in that film and seeing you again now haunts me, drives me. What happens to an artist when he loses his purpose? It's pitiful." God damn, that's beautiful. And for, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't want to accidentally, you know. Uh, what's it like? Ah, what's the term when you like uh, when when you're in court and you accident like you you plead the fifth because you might blank yourself. 
What's the fucking word? Oh shit. I fucking uh one. Incriminate is the word. Mm. I don't want to incriminate myself, but that is a totally that's that's probably if I ever committed murder, that's probably that would be why. <laughs> yeah. I totally I understood that one more than all the rest. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, I love that though. It's like, yeah, if when you're when you're living a, a life that hectic and that controlled and you have like one free day, you know, occasionally and it's ruined by a shitty movie, that that's enough to to that's enough for me to understand you. Yeah. 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 It's a good movie. Um I think what am I well, okay, I'll talk I'll save it for the scenes because it's not a lot, it's a scene. Okay. Uh let's go to music. The score is by a man named Colin Stetson, who is a saxophonist and a composer in Montreal. He has worked with Arcade Fire, some other bands I don't recognize. And um he also worked on Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the remake from last year, uh Color Out of Space. He did that. Uh, Hereditary. He did. So he's he's a he's good. <laughs> he's yeah. done some creepy atmospheric yep. shit. Uh, and I love this score. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorites is the scene where uh, the elusive Doug Varick, the owner of Hawthorne, yes, drowned in the background in an angel costume and just dipped into the water and held there. The music is so like, fuck. Is this really happening? <laughs> yep. That part's. That that's a really good, yeah. Damn, that part that whole scene is awful to watch. Yeah, it is. I don't know why the angel wings make it even worse. Yeah, it really does. Um, I like the kind of like suspenseful music that starts during the man's folly episode or episode. What the fuck, that man's folly <laughs> scene when they all start running after the men, yeah. and it's like deep it's suspenseful it was kind of creepy and scary honestly it's the scariest point in the movie i think yeah when the preview came out i thought that was like the most dangerous game section where like the chef and his people were gonna hunt you know the the protein yeah (laughs) yeah i love that it just i love how the guys get like ambushed and then served a a little little aperitif that was the last person i thought right yeah. Yeah. The the guy the guy who's with the critic is like, you know, they're like, can I offer you this? And he's like, oh, and then starts eating it. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I um, also realized now what the dishes were, and it has it's it's their sexes. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't I didn't realize that until this watch. It's all very well thought out. It's a very well written movie. Um, I love the music when Slowik's making the burger. Yeah. It's like the happiest moment of the entire movie. He's finally at peace. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. And that's uh, exactly how I like a burger. No bullshit, no garden, just meat and cheese on a on a bun with a big plate of fries. Like he, I he wish my kind of burger. I wish the burger was a little wider. I thought it was a little too tall. Um, and I he he made smash burgers too, which I can I can respect. I'm picturing you telling him that, and he just like slams your head on the grill. 
and holds it down. <laughs> it looked it looked really good. I liked how she was like, "Does it come with fries?" And he's like, "Is the is the fryer still on?" Yes, chef. Yes, it comes with fries. I would have been like, "Does it come with a coke?" Ah, <laughs> you know? uh, yeah, that was that's a great. Yeah, we're the burger. I don't want to say too much about it because it's 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 one of my scenes, but yeah, yeah, it is a great moment. Um, performance. If you had to pick somebody, Ralph Fiennes. Yeah, it's Rafe. It's Rafe Fiennes. He's the guy. Oh, is it Rafe? It, it is Rafe. It's it's spelled Ralph, but he pronounces it, is it Rafe. His brother does not pronounce it Yosef. It's Joseph. That's weird. It's difficult, okay. Yeah, difficult family. Yeah, um, I think he is an incredible actor. Once I when I started realizing how big into film I was, he was actually one of the first actors where I could see him out of Voldemort's costume. I think the first movie I saw him in after Harry Potter was probably the Grand Budapest. And I was like, holy fuck, that's Voldemort. That's such a different role. He is so fucking good. I read a um, an article about like nice encounters people had with celebrities. And uh, Ray Fiennes was on the list. This guy was uh, driving him to the airport or to a, meeting or something and he casually dropped that his um his daughter was a big harry potter fan and ray fine said oh give your daughter a call and he called his daughter and ray fines had a wand battle with his daughter in character as voldemort over the phone oh my god that's how fucking cool, cool is that <laughs> that's cute. i've seen him in interviews and stuff he comes across as so humble and grateful and really cool and i, yeah. I like him a lot he does um, what about you? I, I guess I assume the same person. Oh, it's Rafe by far. I love he plays such a great psycho. He's I don't even think he's he's a psycho. I mean, he's got to be he's he's burning a group of people alive. He's got to be a little crazy. He's he, he's he's like a he is something's not right in his head. But I would wager it's not psychosis. I think it's depression. True. True. I don't think he's like a serial killer. I don't think he's like, he's not like your typical horror villain. He's more of a, honestly, he's more of like a, I was going to say like a Thanos, but Thanos is a mass murderer. So he's kind of the, I think he's got the biggest body count of anybody in movie history. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, if you want to compare uh, for Ray Fiennes, you can compare him to a character he played in Red Dragon, uh, Francis Dollarhide. A oh yeah. Serial killer who was way crazier, way more evil and unhinged and slowic. So yeah, he's not quite to that point, but he is also torturing these people the entire evening with plans to burn them all alive. So there's definitely something wrong with him. And I got it. Yeah. He's the guy from King of Comedy. I think. Interesting. It's like the Joker, but he's not psychotic. He's just fed up. He's depressed. He's like, I'm going to kill myself and the people that represent each issue that we have in this society. I wonder like what made his like team so damn loyal to him to the point where like they would do this for him. I think cuz they felt this exactly the same way cuz I think he's had the same team ever since that the restaurant has been opened. So I think they feel exactly the same way and I think that they are mm-hmm. So I think, so this is just, again, because Chef Slowick is the chef, but the cooks 
are the people doing the actual work. So the chefs, they prepare the menu, they lead everyone, but the cooks are the ones that are doing the actual cooking. So I think personally, it hits them all equally as hard to, to realize what they've been through. Like they're they're like they don't work for Slowick. They all work together. So I think they are one unit. That makes yeah. sense. Okay, I'll buy that. Um, I I want to shout Nicholas Holt for his fantastic yeah. performance as a just pure douchebag. Yeah, just the shit he says to to Margo. You know, Awful. Like, oh yeah. my god. And and then the, when Slowick puts him on the spot. Like shallots and butter. I marvel at the culinary yeah. wisdom before wow. me. <laughs> to be fair though, he was he was put on the spot. I would probably fucking freak out too. Well, I I would hope I'm never in that position where I have a world-renowned chef wanting me dead. Oh my god, imagine imagine um who who's your favorite uh director? Oh fuck, that's a hell of a question. Uh Robert Zemeckis. Robert Jamaxis hands you a camera and is like, go ahead, make a movie right now. What do you need? <laughs> well, all right. I don't mean to toot my own horn, but I feel like if I had resources, I could make something pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's why I, when I watched the movie the first time, I was like, I need, I need a meal to have on standby in case I'm ever in the situation. Have a, you know, an old, a standard in your back pocket, like keep in your wallet, like a recipe. No, I know what I'll do. Grilled cheese. Make sure you use a melting cheese. <laughs> In case you want to know, Havarti and Gruyere are so good, but you also can't go wrong with American cheese. I am a craft white yeah. American single, and that is also my cheese of choice. White American? Yes. I am a white American single, and that is also the cheese I use. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, Okay, yeah. Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy is fantastic. She's the only one here who has any goddamn sense. Um, I, I read that John Leguizamo based his douchebag actor character off of Steven Seagal. That's fucking funny. Yeah. He met him a couple times. He met, he met him working on, I think, Executive Decision. And uh, Seagal came on set and was like, so I'm in charge here. I'm a martial arts expert. Y'all are going to listen to me. And Leguizamo was like, is this guy serious? And Seagal like put him in a chokehold or something. Steven Seagal is a fucking asshole. Yes, yes, he is. He's also bloated, and I'm pretty sure I could kick his ass. <laughs> uh, any other performances you want? To- I think Hong Chow is fantastic in this yeah. as his like slowest loyal sous chef or whoever she was supposed to be. Um, I really like. I always. Forget his name. Just the rich guy that's there with his wife. The rich guy who's there with his wife. Uh, that would be... Um, Paul Adels. No, that's not him. Uh, Reed Bernie, perhaps? Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think he was good. He seemed like a clueless rich asshole. Also, the, the chef that shot himself... <laughs> That was a really intense scene to watch. And I really felt like that that chef was also just at the end of the rope. I don't think he was scared to die at all. I think he was completely ready. If you're going to participate in this evening on the chef's side, you are prepared to die. 
Like this is, you know, yeah. there's no going back from this. Like, yeah. Like when I first watched the, the film, I was like, okay, like his lip is quivering a little bit and he's stressed out that he's about to die. So he, he obviously doesn't want this, but watching it this time, I was like, no, he, he wants to die. Yeah. When you've, when you've entered into a career that you've dreamed about your entire life and you come to a point where you realize there is no more upward mobility and you are trapped here because you are not going to be, you are not as good as the people you hope to one day cook alongside. That's got to be a harsh reality to live in. And not a lot of people can handle that. That, and I think it was also him realizing that it's not all cracked up. It is. Yeah. Be careful what you wish for. Your dream job might end up being your nightmare (laughs) job. Ain't that the goddamn truth? <laughs> On this episode of Frasier. <laughs> ah, I love when the shit we do like subtly reflects the shit that's happening in real life. That's always yep. so fascinating. Absolutely. Anybody listening who works at the place I work at, I'm I'm joking. I'm joking. Ah. <laughs> 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 um all right, scene. The Man. first thing I want to talk about is the not bread course dude he did that so everything is planned out but that was the 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 course where i was like okay he hates everyone in this room (laughs) i love that it's the it's the most like it's such a great fuck you Mm -hmm. and only margo's like what the hell everyone else is kind of like eventually gets on board with it except for the you know the, the wall street guys but they're just dicks the whole time yeah like tyler is like oh this is like perfect like wow he's you know he's or even the critically she's like well yes it's because oh she says um shit there's a quote here I, I do love the her little comment about like, oh, this one's a little broken. You you, you wouldn't see you shouldn't see that in a restaurant of this caliber. Yeah. And then Here's they bring her a giant fucking bowl. No. Yep. <laughs> she says, not gonna serve bread at a restaurant known for their bread. How sweet. <laughs> but yeah, like he's he's he says, like, you are not common, you are not the common men, you are not peasants. Clearly. So no bread for you. I love that they still like they're eat they're you know tasting the little bits and it's just, everyone's just, it reminded me of an article I read about a guy who sold an invisible sculpture to a collector for fifteen thousand dollars. It is literally nothing. He said you have to envision the sculpture and that is how you 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 celebrate this art. And he sold it to somebody for fifteen k. He sold him nothing. For $15,000. So one of my favorite artists ever. I actually have a tattoo of his art on my arm, which goes against everything that this artist stands for. Um, He really will not like the idea that I have this tattoo on my arm, but it's my favorite painting of his. It's just a girl wearing a helmet. Oh, sorry. The artist is Banksy. I'm sure. I had a feel. People know who Banksy is. Uh, He is my favorite artist because he's so anti the system anti government anti police he's also against um the selling of art especially art that is his being sold by other people so one of my favorite things that i've ever heard from the art industry i'm sure some of you might have heard of this if you haven't it's going to blow you away you need to watch the video 
he has this very painting. He has this very famous painting. It's called Girl with Balloon. It is just a girl holding a balloon. That's all it is. But it's very famous. And somebody somehow got a hold of it. And, oh, okay. I don't remember how he did it. But he he painted it. And then he framed it. But he built the frame and everything. And somehow he knew someone would get a hold of it. And someone did. And during an art auction, Banksy was in the audience with a little remote. And he was watching people auction off this painting. And as soon as the gavel hit the block and it was sold for a tremendous amount of money, Banksy hit the button on the remote. And lo and behold, within the frame of that painting, he built in a shredder. And it shredded the entire painting. And he thought, yeah, fuck you guys. You're not making any money off of my painting. This is bullshit. And what did those people do? They sold the painting for even more money then. They were like, wow, this means so much. Like the message that he's trying to say. And he was like, are you fucking kidding me? I literally ruined it. And you're going to sell it for more money. I I had heard about the shredder. I did not know it got resold for more. It did. Fucking ridiculous. It got resold for more. Wow. That's funny because I, I too have a tattoo of that guy's invisible sculpture. <laughs> you just have to close your eyes and envision the tattoo. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Artists, man. It's it's such a strange way to live your life. Every artist, you know, whatever your medium is, there's something there's something weird that makes somebody art oriented. It's hard to explain. Yeah, you, you just you get it if you get it. Yeah, I was um, like when I was doing those like spray paint pieces that I like to do of space. Um, one of my friends, he was like, "I don't understand how you like how, like how do you know what you're gonna paint?" And I'm like, "I don't know, I'll just paint what I want." And he's like, "Yeah, but like, what if you fuck up?" And I'm like, "I'm not gonna fuck up because I have, I know what I want to paint." And he was like, "Okay, so you're autistic." he's like he's like there's no way you're not like how do you know what you're painting i don't understand how you can just like do it and i feel the same way about people that like actually paint and actually draw i've tried drawing i don't understand how people can just like do it it's insane you don't make mistakes you make happy little accidents exactly i actually painted a bob ross painting and it turned out pretty good also bob ross is a hack i don't know if anyone knows that but he's a fraud he's not a fraud but he stole that painting from someone else and didn't give him any credit well, fuck. Thank you for that. Yeah, sorry. It's hard to ruin everything. Bob Ross is a horrible person. God damn it. <laughs> what next? Mr. Was Mr. Rogers a rapist? No, he was a sniper in the Navy, I think. Or that might be a myth. Jesus. Yeah, that's why he always wore sweater vests, because he had, like, tattoos all over his arms. Oh, I'm going to call bullshit on that. There's no no way. It might you know, be a myth, Rogers but that's like something a... I've heard. Let me see. No way. Let me look it up. It's something that I've heard, you know, when I was in high school. I don't know if it's true. Go to Snopes. Did not serve his country in the armed services. Ah, he did not. It's false. You imagine you're in the fucking foxhole. You turn and there's a guy there who's like, hello, neighbor. I'm here to to save you today. I would would shit in my pants. Are you kidding me? you help me do that? (laughs) I care about you a lot. Oh my god! That would, but that'd be scarier than the enemy. Oh my god! Wait, have you seen? It's kind of the same. Have you seen the movie "The World's Greatest Beer Run"? Or did you read the book? Do you know about that story? Uh, you told me about it a while back, but I haven't. I haven't seen it yet. 
it's a true story about this guy. I think it's during the Vietnam War. Yeah, it's during the Vietnam War. This guy uh, who lives in New York City decides that he is going to take um, beer um, and he's going to just go to Vietnam to all of his friends that are serving in the army and give them beer. It's a true story. It really happened. But the fucking balls on that guy is insane. That's awesome. Yeah. That's that's a cool story. Yeah. Maybe that, you know, I'll... I'll pitch that to Isabel. Maybe we'll do a fake true stories on it. Someday. You should. It, it's it's an okay movie. It's it's cheesy. It's Zac Efron, but it's it's pretty good. Cool. Right mm-hmm. on. Um, scene. Yes. Um, Tyler's bullshit. Oh, yep. That's where I was going next too. Let's talk Tyler's bullshit. So, Chef Slowick sees through it, and he's like, "No, no, come into the kitchen. You're gonna cook. You deserve this." You know what to do. Um, and I'll I'll save talking about the scene to you because I know you really want to talk about it. But the part that I want to talk about immediately follows that scene. It's when he walks into the back and Mar uh Margot and Chef Slowick are having a conversation about the barrel that the sous chef did not bring. If you listen very closely, you hear Tyler in the background gurgling and gasping because he's hanging himself. You hear it happening. I did not catch that. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I wonder what he what did he say to Tyler? I don't know. What could what could you say to somebody to make them immediately go and kill themselves? I think maybe because Tyler knew that everyone was going to die, so maybe he just said like now's your time. You know what to do. I wonder if he said something like I'm just very simply like you can't cook. <laughs> That might, have been, that might have been all it could all it took yeah but yeah i when he when he puts the chef jacket on him and like writes down like i'm gonna personalize it i almost expected him to do like a backwards r for like a first grader <laughs> yeah yeah that was rough i um for something that we're not going to talk about here but i have two chef jackets <laughs> oh yeah for something um upcoming and when I bought them at the food at the restaurant supply store, they I was like, "Oh, are you gonna are you opening a restaurant?" I was like, "No." He was like, "Oh, food truck?" I was like, "No." He's like, "Oh," <laughs> and I said, he said he said why are you getting the chef jackets? And I was like, "I have a podcast." <laughs> he was like, "What?" And I was like, "Don't worry about it." Oh my god, I'm <laughs> so sorry. No, no, it was really funny. The guy was cool. He left. Because but, of because of that, I've actually like I've started thinking like I I need to I need to become a better cook if I'm gonna wear that. <laughs> Just, it's it's you know <laughs> certain things like I wouldn't sit in a director's chair if I didn't know how film worked. I shouldn't put that on unless I can control a kitchen. <laughs> it's funny because um for Christmas one year, uh when I was working at that restaurant, my parents bought me an apron. But the apron that they bought me it was it's a very nice apron, but it's made out of like canvas and it's for like woodworking blacksmith mechanic stuff, right? And I, I I really like the apron. It's really nice, but like I knew that it wasn't a chef's apron and I wore it to work one day and the chef was like, What the fuck are you wearing? Are you a fucking mechanic? Because <laughs> they are gonna whittle something, put on one of our aprons. And I was like, Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> Jesus, that's oh my god. <laughs> that's that's hysterical. But um yeah, it's such it's it's super thoughtful, but I I do not yet feel worthy to put it on. I have to <laughs> I have to make I have to you know get better. I have those cookbooks. I'm gonna start whipping up some shit. Oh yeah. Um the cheeseburger. God. The fat dripping off that burger. Oh. I wonder if Ray Fine was actually making that burger. Probably not. No. Probably not. You don't think they pulled a chef? No, I don't think so. Most movies when people are cooking, they're not act the actors are not cooking. They've got stunt hands and whatnot. The food's probably not even really edible. I think it is. I think um I think I think I read the first time I watched the movie that they did. They had real chefs making the food. At least all of the pictures of it, like when it does that, you know, like when it says the title of the dish and what's in it, those are all real. Oh, all right. I stand corrected. Um, and they are actually all eating the food. I do love the like the chef's table scene, like shot of the burger and it just says just a really good cheeseburger. Yep. Yep. I like when it says the mess and it has um, I really like. OK, so again, like I don't mean to sound like Tyler, but the fact that it emphasizes that the meat in that dish is pressure cooked. Mm. It's so fucking cool. Like. Because Jeremy was under a lot of pressure. Anyway, I like how it says "rip Jeremy" <laughs> under everything. I I love when he when Tyler's cooking up the butter and lamb and slow. It's like maybe you want to shove it in the Paco jet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I love that you know, Margot gets to go because she tapped into Slowik's humanity with the burger. Yes. So I'll, I'll talk about the theory right now about. Yeah. That cheeseburger scene. The last scene is um, Margot or Aaron, I guess her real name is. She uh, takes a bite of the burger and it, the movie just kind of ends like that. But it's like kind of an intense scene. She's watching the burning restaurant. The music builds a little bit. She takes a bite and then the movie cuts off. Earlier in the movie, when the sous chef lady shows the, the customers their like smokehouse, it says that it has to be very precise. It has to be served on the 132nd day because if it's served any later than that, it will kill anyone who eats the meat. So there's a theory that she takes a bite of it and she dies because the meat is like, it's poisoned. However, upon this watch of the movie, I don't think Chef Slovik wanted to kill her anymore. I think he did. I think he didn't at the beginning. He did when he called, when, he, when she used the radio. Um, and then I think he realized that she is better than the people in the room because she asked for a cheeseburger. She didn't care about all the bullshit and the, you know, she wasn't pretentious. She just wanted good food to taste, not eat. True. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he, I don't think she's dead. No. I do love the little bit of her wiping her mouth with, with the menu. Yep. That's nice. That was good. Um, I like how um, we know what's in the goodie bags. <laughs> yeah. A copy of the menu, some like a couple of Doug Varick's fingers, some other stuff. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> a booklet that talks about like where they get all of their ingredients from. <laughs> One of my 
favorite little moments is when they serve the uh, the palate cleanser tea, and Slowix starts doing his uh you know talk like they're all kind of aware that like this is this is bad and yeah he says like any for, before I go further any questions about the island and Tyler's like is this is this bergamot I'm getting and Slowick just goes yes it is like just so annoyed by this guy yep yep <laughs> so good. <laughs> I like that. And um, I really like the tortilla scene because that's when I that's when everyone realizes, oh fuck, okay, something bad's going on. When the when the people see the like the notes, the bank transactions. I love the line, you know, like it's just a fucking tortilla. Yeah, a tortilla that could hold up in court. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Such a good fucking movie. There's so many like it's a very intense movie. Says a lot about the art artistic world. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. Um well let's find out what Letterboxd thinks about this movie. On our final segment, what's in the box? What's in the fucking box? 3.6 out of five on Letterboxd. It's pretty good. Okay. Um it's a four out of five stars for me. I think it's I think it's lights out. Yeah, for sure. Um, I have one positive score or one positive review and four negative reviews. Uh, the positive one, though, doesn't seem that positive. So I don't know. How, all right, we'll see. So that's the first one here. This is from Grace. This would never happen at an Olive Garden. Three and a half stars. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that's, that, that's true. But, you know. What would you think of the movie? <laughs> this next one's from maddie yay lord i'm so sick of this horror but not horror but horror genre kill me now half a star and this is what i wanted to address earlier because i i don't agree with the half a star but i very much agree with this review yeah i despise movies that claim to be horror and then i'll watch it and it will be a drama wearing a horror mask. And I don't fucking like that. I think I agree that this movie did um, advertise itself as a horror movie. But I don't think the movie is a drama wearing a horror mask. I think while you're watching the movie, you are understanding that it's not supposed to be a horror movie. It's a drama. It's a, it's a dark comedy with horror elements. Um, I think advertising could have gone better. But. I I label it a psychological thriller. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I do think the marketing was misleading, but this one gets a pass because it is a really good movie. Yeah, but but for the most part, I I really do hate that. Like, just embrace it. Just be a horror movie. Stop acting better than Scream and fucking I Spit on Your Grave. Like you're at the same yeah. you're at the same party. Fucking mingle. Exactly. I also, I kind of feel the, um, yeah, yeah. But on the other side of that, I I hate how people like need to be spoon fed. Well, there's ways to, there's ways to have your cake and eat it too. Like I think hereditary is the best example of this. Where yeah. The marketing. Very much a drama. Yeah. The marketing was very horror. The film is very horror, but also a gripping family drama. 
that doesn't spoon feed you all the details, but gives you as much as you need to know to fully appreciate it. And on repeated viewings, you learn more. That is a good movie. Yes. And I think it's the best one of these, you know, I don't, I hate the term, but elevated horror films that have come out in the past 10 (laughs) years. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I I hate when they do that. I'm almost always like, you know, betrayed by the film with that. You know, I think of Midsommar, I think of St. Maud, I think of Men. It keeps happening and I fucking hate it. And it's not failing enough for it to stop happening. I like, you said elevated horror. It just made me remember. I really like high art. Some of them, high art horror movies. Like The Lighthouse, I genuinely think that's probably one of the best movies, if not the best movie ever made. I don't say it's like enjoyable. I don't I'm like I'm not going to keep watching it, but I I cannot find a single issue that I have with the movie. And artistically, it is so well made, and you can tell there's a lot of love and passion in that movie. I agree. I agree. I don't count the lighthouse. All right. And this is going to sound petty. To me, it's only. If it works, it gets a pass. If it's a good movie, it gets a pass. That's how it works for me. Like, <laughs> Hereditary, The Witch, The, the Northman, The Lighthouse, The the Menu, like the, those movies get a pass because they were good. I think, again, you know, you know what it is? You know what it is? I, I, I got it right here. It's because um, they are all passionate about what they do, and all the other movies that are trying to do it, they are the Tyler of the movie. They're the Tylers of the film industry. Boom! There it is. Made with love. It always comes back to that. Exactly. Fuck yeah! <laughs> Finally, we cracked the elevated horror code. <laughs> so before I go see one of these movies, I'm going to vet the hell out of the filmmakers and find out if they really care about this. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, okay, here's a good example. I'm currently rewatching all the Saw movies. I think those movies are made with love. I think James Wan really did want to make good movies. Are they like fantastic? No. In fact, I think some of them are bad, but you can tell that he really wanted to make a series of movies and he did. Well, he made one. The, he had he had no control over. Oh, are they all other are they co co written? No, he had like nothing to do with anything but the first movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, Lee Winnell, who wrote the first movie, I think he also wrote two and three, and then he jumped ship, and then it was different directors. It's been you know Darren Lynn Bowsman and Kevin Grudert and a couple other people. Oh. But uh, yeah, there hasn't really been one consistent vision behind Saw, but everyone's just gotten on board and contributed to the vision, which is kind of neat. Yeah. Also, kind of sorry to jump around a lot. I have not seen The Northman yet. Is it is it a horror movie or is it an action movie? It's kind of both. It's a it's a grisly action movie. Uh, really cool, really neat movie. It's uh, horror, really. It's got its moments. It's got its moments. Uh, I I label it more action than horror, but uh. It is a. It's quite an experience. It's a cool movie. I'll have to watch it. I'm um, with with Caitlin, my my wife. Um, I'm uh, watching. Uh, I recently got married. <laughs> um, I'm Ooh. I'm showing her. I'm doing this thing where I'm, I'm I like showing her different directors because she like hasn't seen a lot of movies. So um, actually, before we started dating, I showed her all of. Um... Oh shit! What's his name? Scott Pilgrim. Edgar Wright. 
editor right that showed her all of his movies and i kind of want to do since it's like spooky season i kind of want to do uh oh my god the witch lighthouse robert eggers robert eggers i kind of want to do him next well he's just got three movies so that won't take you very long yeah i won't want to take long at all i recommend tim burton she's probably seen a lot of those yeah i might do uh gilmero del toro next Guillermo del toro yeah he's he's interesting he's when he's in complete control, it's amazing. When he gets anchored by a studio, it's horseshit. Yeah. It's like he knows, that, like, they're going to make me do what I don't want to do, so I'm going to deliver an inferior product out of spite. He's done that a few times. Yeah. Absolutely. He definitely has, yeah. <laughs> uh, I just picked up a Criterion Blu-ray of Pan's Labyrinth for, like, 12 bucks. Oh, I was excited about that. My dad pissed me off one day because he, um, not one day, when he... He was talking about Pan's Labyrinth a while ago, and he told me that he walked out because he didn't know that it was all in Spanish. Oh, my God. I was like, I was like what the fuck? Did you go watch the... Why did you finish it? And he's like, I eventually did. I watched it, and he, I, I loved it, but I was younger and stupid. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like saying that out loud just caused one of my Hispanic relatives to fall down the stairs somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's unfortunate. I know. but now At he least he care. finished it. At least he went back and finished it. Yeah. Um... This next review is from the Rick of Mav. Oh my god! All caps. Where the fuck was the talking rat? Half a star. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. That's good. Um, next one's from Zans. Chef kills the actor because he saw Calling Doctor Sunshine on his one day off and hated it. I am going to kill Mark Mylod, Seth Rice, and Will Tracy for the same reason. Fucking pathetic movie half a star no it's it's ouch this is somebody's revenge movie like they saw it and now they're going to kill the the director that's sad but again like well like how how do you hate this movie like i like I'm, i'm all for you know people like having their like preferences and everything that's fine but how do you actually see a movie that is actually good and not like it. I have the same question about the Batman. I, I met someone once that said that they prefer Christopher Nolan's Batman and that this Batman has no reason to be called the Batman. It's just a whiny little bitch. And I'm like, clearly, you have never watched the animated series or year one. <laughs> okay. I disagree with the second half of that, but I, I do prefer Nolan's films. Really? I... I... I've seen them more. I grew up with them. That's yeah, that's fair. But I do think the the Batman was a fucking phenomenal movie yeah. and a fantastic vision of the Dark Knight. So I'm I disagree with that guy on the second half there. <laughs> uh this last one is from Shade Shade I don't know, something weird. I'm happy I got to see an Ari Aster ripoff in my lifetime. The menu, essentially Midsommar to a T, albeit more digestible, like a shitty, overcooked, forgettable cheeseburger. Half a star. I will say the ending is very much Midsommar. Oh, like this is the first movie forever for the bad guy to burn a bunch of people alive. Yeah, that's, Fuck that's off. Fair. That's fair. Yeah. Midsommar ripped off the Wicker Man, which ends with what? A bunch oh, of people yeah. putting a guy into an <laughs> effigy and burning him alive. So if we're yeah. going to call the kettle black, let's get real here. <laughs> that's fucking funny. That's that's funny. <laughs> that has been my like almost singular beef with Midsommar that no one else 
like everyone who loves the movie refuses to fucking get on board with this that it just ripped off the wicker man a vastly superior much shorter movie are you talking about the movie with, with nick cage no the original okay wicker i was man. gonna say god damn it 1973 the Wicker Man, Edward Woodward, Christopher Lee, Britt Eklund. <laughs> Holy shit, people. <laughs> oh, my biggest gripe with Midsummer are all the people that say that Danny is the good person in the movie and that everything that happened to her was good and that the boyfriend deserved what he got. Those people are fucking insane. And the people that agree with her are the people that the movie is warning us about. That is cult mentality. It's fucking psychotic. It's weird. I don't like it. That movie is about a group of American shitheads, all of them, who ignore a lot of very, very bright red flags and allow themselves to be killed by a Swedish cult. They're all stupid. They're all assholes. They're all terrible people. They all fucking deserved it. There you go. Yes. Midsommar. At least Edward Woodward was a pious cop who did not deserve to be burned alive in front of a <laughs> cheering group of pagans. <laughs> I think that everyone there deserved it, but I don't think that her boyfriend deserved it because he didn't want her... because he wanted to break up with her. That's what people say. No, people he deserved say- it because he brought his girlfriend he intended to break up with to fucking Sweden and then fucked around. Like, just break up with her before you go to Sweden. Don't take her with you. He should have definitely broken up with her, but also she. I don't know. I feel like that's a rough situation. You can't break up with someone after their whole family dies. Is it be- all right? Here's all right. Here's the big ethical question of the night. Then, would it be better to a break up with her when you intended to break up with her because you don't love her anymore, regardless of anything else that happened, or stay in a loveless relationship that's not going to help either one of you and just prolong this gaping wound that's not going to heal. Yeah. There is no right answer. Yeah, that I yeah, that's fair. I don't think he deserved to be burnt alive. I don't either, but I do think they all deserve to die for not immediately leaving when that dude jumped off the fucking cliff. Absolutely. Yeah, at that point it's on you. <laughs> if you don't jump ship the second they start killing the locals <laughs> you get what's coming <laughs> yeah ah well that was uh that's our show this was a blast thanks for listening everybody if you like the show follow us on facebook instagram and twitter at filmgasm productions if you want to suggest films for us to check out you can email us at filmgasm at gmail.com or send us a message through the socials check out our letterbox accounts for daily reviews you search for me at connor 95 and in my friends list you can find the rest of the team Check out the website, filmgasm.com, where I have a link to that letterbox. You can also find articles, trailers of upcoming films, and every episode of our show. If you'd like to become a monthly donor to Filmgasm Productions, click on the link in the episode description. From there, click on Support This Podcast. You can choose to donate a dollar a month, $5 a month, or $10 a month, and all donations go right back into the show. Thanks to the entire Filmgasm team for their contributions. Thanks to Cooley Cow for our awesome theme music. Thanks to you for checking it out. That's all for Foodgasm. This miniseries took us into the world of food movies and inspired us to taste the world a little more than we did before. Uh, uh, here's our lineup. This is what we did. Chef. Boiling Point. Burnt. Good Burger. Ratatouille. Waiting. Poisoned. Food Inc. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Pig and the Menu. 
It's a hell of a fucking lineup. Those were a good selection. Yeah. That was really good. We did Chef, I think, in person together. We we did we watched Chef in person. We recorded Boiling Point together. That's right. What do we do? We recorded something. Was it Boiling Point? I think we did yeah. Boiling Point. Boiling Point, yeah. I, yeah, I just said that. We recorded oh. that in person. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that was really fun. That was when we decided, like, hey, let's do a few of these. Yeah, and that's right. Here we are. Yeah, this was fun. We uh, we ended up cutting a few just uh, just to get you know full transparency here. We had an, a, the list we started with is not the list we ended with. No. Uh, we ended up cutting Big Night, a '90s movie with Tony Shalhoub and uh, Stanley Tucci, largely because of availability. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's a quirky restaurant movie I still would like to watch. Um, and we cut Eating Raul because, uh, as we learned, um, it's not really about food. It's about cannibalism. So uh, we decided <laughs> to drop that one. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. I look forward to another miniseries project. This was a good idea. This was fun. Yeah, this was great, actually. This was really which, good. Which of the which of the uh, the 10 episodes we did was your favorite? Movie or episode? Uh, let's say movie. I mean, Chef is one of my favorite movies of all time, so that's up there. That's just a, just a really good movie. Um, that was good. Pig is good, and The Menu. Nice. I think mine is probably Boiling Point because I that was new to me, and I was blown away by the structure of that film, and I just thought it was amazing. Yeah. Uh, and it was. I don't get to record these in person very often, so that was also a very fun recording. Yeah. Sweet. Well, uh, with that. Uh, go have a good meal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, take it easy. Keep watching movies. We'll see you next time.